Gara could be managing the Cork Hurlers, the Irish soccer team. He could be managing anything. He's got the X factor. To win two Champions Cups with a club that doesn't really have that much of a history in the game. OTB AM, live weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app. The News Round on Off The Ball. With Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave for your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now. Well, we are at that time of the year when drama is the order of the day in most sports. So, Monday Night Rugby, Munster defy the odds, which was not likely a month ago. They are URC champions. Fiona Hayes and Jerry Thornley are with us. Tommy Welch will be here this hour to run the rule on all the toing and the froing in the Munster and Leinster championships yesterday. And then, of course, it was the finale to the Premier League season. There was that moment at Goodison where Simon was held up to say 10 more minutes and you thought, ooh, but Everton got there in the end. Pat Nevin is on the way. Leeds and Leicester very much relegated. So uh, Pat's with us after nine. Five three one zero six is the text number. We are out off the ball on Twitter. Richard McCormick is with us evening. Hey, Joe. And Michael McCarthy. Hello. Hey, lads. How are you? Very well. So, um, I mean, so much going on. On the Premier League finale, it did have a sense of like grim destiny when you were thinking three, four, maybe five minutes and then there will be ten minutes <laughs> at a time and Goodison groaned. Goodison celebrated to a point uh, whereby I think mainly kids and their um, you know excited parents who said well I better go on with little Johnny onto the pitch got onto the pitch whereas the rest of the stadium uh, booed those on the pitch celebrating like there was something to be celebrating and then just repeatedly chanted sack the board mm. so so like different from 12 months ago yeah. for Frank's uh, famous uh, saviour night yeah less jubilation more we're here again I have to say I was by the time the full time whistle went I was watching rather than listening to that so I didn't actually I didn't realise that it sort of it wasn't the nicest atmosphere sack the board again you're looking at the players and I'm thinking like you know I saw Alan Kelly and Jordan Pickford having a chat of all people, like you know, and and there was just this big smiling face, like they'd achieve something. Whereas, like, I do understand that. I don't, I don't like taking the joy out of football, and I think staying up on the last day is something to be enjoyed in a way. Yeah. But it just felt like Everton, especially, have been just like we got out of jail here in a real way, and and things are not good. And I, I did find it a little bit too happy, I have to say, and I didn't realize that no, half no. the stadium were feeling Wasn't the same happy. way wasn't happy yeah. Connor Cody's interview I thought was like pitch perfect very impressive it was as if Jeff Shreves said to Connor Cody just before the interview started just FYI Roy's in studio so he's going to be reacting to this interview <laughs> and it, was, it was like Connor Cody was pitching it to- towards Roy Keane because uh, he spoke really well but at every turn he did say this can't happen again this isn't good enough it's been such a difficult season but really it's not good enough this can't happen again but yes it's great that we did pretty well today we're really good but honestly this can't happen again yeah I can't see how it won't at the moment yeah that's the thing I know like I, I know you you said earlier about Sean Dyche being that type of manager Arthur said the same thing when I was talking to him about it earlier for me there's echoes of um, in the 2015 season Tim Sherwood rescued Aston Villa they had a run of uh, results at the end of the season. Uh, they got to the FA Cup final randomly uh, and got hammered by Arsenal. And it was like, right, OK, do you know what? We got out of jail there. But actually, the slide had been on. And the following season, Villa got something like 16 points and feel- finished last. And there was very much a, we can't keep doing this. Nothing's going to change yeah. at Everton unless something happens in the summer 
that's going to change the squad or yeah, no, I take the point. I feel quality. Deitch is a more workmanlike, sturdy manager than uh, the more flamboyant Tim Sherwood, perhaps. Yeah, followed by Remy Gard. Now, I understand that, but actually <laughs> what happened was the, the chickens came home to roost and there just wasn't enough there. It was um, the culmination of a long-term process. It wasn't just Sherwood that dragged them down. And then when it fell apart, everyone, yeah. it fell apart quickly, Richie. You know what I mean? Like yeah, that, That's yeah, what yeah. happened. And there's just a feeling, I have to say, watching Everton and just looking around the team and just seeing where, where are those good players that, they, that they, like, they've gradually lost one or two a season for the last five until they've just become a bad yeah. football team. Well, that squad requires a level of investment and a level of regeneration that I don't think they have the funds for. It would take a major sale, I think, for them. And I don't mean that in terms of, of, of a player or two, for them to recoup the kind of money that they need to rebuild that squad or for Jean Dyche to just absolutely hit home run after home run after home run uh, on the cheap this summer because the ownership needs changing. That's not going to happen anytime soon. I don't think those things take a bit of time, especially for new owners to get embedded. And that squad, as Mick says, is poor. Like they are very much a seventeenth uh, in the in the Premier yeah. League squad. It's just it, they're they're nowhere near. I know the I know that the, everybody there and that that sack the boards chance would have been born of a sense that Everton should be higher in the table. But there's no evidence to suggest over the last two seasons that Everton should be higher in the table based on how they've played, the squad they have, and the leadership that's been shown from that board. They have spent five hundred million on transfers under Mashiri's ownership since 2016. Mm. Since 2016. Spent it so horrifically badly. Like they're in financial fair play bother. Yeah. And yet they've yeah. nothing to show for it. And you sprinkle in Ronald Koeman, Carlo Ancelotti, to a lesser extent, Benitez, Marco Silva, Big Sam was in there for a spell. Martinez. They've just spent it horrifically and the word from really those massively in the know seems to be it's just a mishmash of people with their hands on the levers of power in there. There's no sense of great direction. So that's everything. I, I still sort of think Deitch will muscle them to 16th next year. Leicester are the super interesting case. Yeah. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Because the, there was the moment where on the coverage yesterday they cut to the King Power and Harvey Barnes scores this like silky goal. Mm. You know, like you're thinking this is just beautiful uh, footballer and like a nice team. They have the highest wage bill in Premier League history to get relegated. Uh, 180 million is their wage bill. That puts them seventh in the table. So this is one of these spectacular failures. But there's, again, I use the phrase uh, mishmash with Everton, just like a mishmash of problems with Leicester. So nine first team players out of contract this <coughs> summer. Yeah. That's not a good vibe. That's a lot of players who know they're not going to be there next year. And then, uh, like, where they were unlucky, it seems. It does not help when their owner, who's massively invested in the club, dies in the most freakishly tragic circumstances. That is not good. And then it does really seem as if COVID hit the King Power duty-free business very hard for obvious reasons. It brought airline travel to a standstill. So purse strings were tightened. That very much included at Leicester. And then if you go from the last five years, there were top 10 every year the last five. They had two fifth place finishes. They were eighth last year. Brennan Rogers, it seems based uh, again reading pieces from those who cover the club day to day he was fairly appalled and shocked when he arrived back now this could be some of Roger's briefing I'm, I'm sure but it does seem he was pretty appalled when he came back to find that several of the players he had said need to go were staring back at him when he arrived back yeah. for pre-season and several of the targets they had picked out uh, had not arrived and you remember he went from talking about how geez, we finished 8th uh, we were fifth for goals scored if we just tidy up uh, set piece concessions which killed us this year we could do something top of the table again to 
we need to change our expectations was how things started. And they won one game in 10 at the start of the year. But then weirdly, they're such a good team. They won four in a row at one stage. And that was like, what, 12 points of the 36 that they needed. So you got 34 of their games to get 24 points. So there's loads of quality in there. Yeah. And unlike Leeds, Leicester will now be pillaged for all their players because they're really good players. Whereas I think most, like Leeds... I, that's just testament to how good Bielsa was. N- like, name me three Leeds players who will be in the Premier League next year, definitely. Whereas Leicester, quite a few. So it's just yeah. amazing that they've gone down two years after FA Cup, seven years after yeah, winning the like, league. I mean, it's t- two years since the FA Cup, two years since they absolutely squandered a chance to be in the Champions League. You're going to look back in history and say they won the FA Cup, they won the league. And, you know, your assumption is going to be, if you're coming out from Mars, your assumption is going to be, are they mortgaged their future? on that success but it actually wasn't like that it's everything you've just said it was a, a just a myriad of factors and it's a pity I was sad yesterday I have to say I don't like I, I'm absolutely projecting these thoughts onto uh, the new owner the, the, the son but I was looking at that yesterday when he was kind of like sadly walking out of the stadium and them relegated and I'm just thinking like he's there thinking Jesus this was the project that you know brought so much success when his dad was alive and that heart, like absolutely tragic. I don't know if we can put the words on how tragic and, and awful that was. And then just a couple of years later, the project itself is almost feels like it's over now. And everything that was everything that's gone before, you know, it just sort of ended. It drew a line under everything. I thought there was something sad and poignant about yeah, it. I thought. I, I thought so too. As a final addendum to all that on Leicester, their big issue now is they owe a ton of money to an Australian bank. Um, and this is for advanced payments on player amortization and also um, broadcasting revenue. In short, basically, all the money they've borrowed is set against the TV money that they presumed they would be getting. They're now not getting that money. Their revenue is going to fall from about 200 million plus to about 70 million. And it would seem all of the parachute payments will be going straight to this Australian bank. So like this sense that, OK, they'll have the parachute payments to spend pretty well over the summer and maybe bounce back. Mm. Theirs is a more complicated situation because they are just not a club that we're thinking. Relegation, relegation. absolutely. There's so no manager. Really, you know, oh, yeah. it was an interim manager. There's like there's a lot, a lot of, and as you said, what, how many players gone for free now? Nine. Nine, Nine. players. That'll probably, James, probably James be happy Madison with that, go. actually. Yeah. 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 Madison yeah. will go as well for a fee. Like, they'll have to make a lot of money on him. Yeah. Uh, they'll be starting from scratch. You know? Yeah, Barnes would be another one. There's even young players in there that, that are really like they're really talented young players like Kieran and Dewsbury Hall as uh, a fantastic footballer. Mm. Will we'll, we'll probably have to go, and those are the players that you want to build a team on if you're falling back into the championship, and they just won't, they'll, be, they'll, they'll have bare bones from next year. Tell you what, they were too good to go down, but uh, here we are. Yeah, they weren't over the like, I mean, and I don't mean this is like the league table doesn't lie, but I've seen Leicester enough times this year; they weren't very good, and you just assumed. You constantly assumed they were just going to get it together yeah. because of the quality of players, they but they just got, never did. They should have got rid of Rodgers sooner. Like, never has a man done, I'd say, about eight interviews in a row, week to week, where he was basically saying, you'd really sack me because I'm just not arsed anymore. <laughs> I, I can't say it any clearer than that. But yeah. he was on a good contract. I think eight, nine million reading yep. today, a year. Oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> Rodgers. <laughs> well, oh, dear. Uh, Spurs job is still going. <laughs> and will be for a while but yeah well things. Brendan is out of work you know <laughs> I still think a decent club will take a punt on Rodgers will it be Spurs 
because it would just suit. I just want Amazon to go back in there if it's going to be Brendan Rodgers and Daniel Levy. I think he'd do an okay job at Spurs. I don't disagree. I just think it would be entertaining. Oh yeah, he'll be ba- he'll, he'll be back at Celtic when Big Ange goes to Spurs. Oh, that's that's probably going to be that's an in, that that could be a shout. Yeah. I think I think we might be recalling that in about two weeks' time. Speculation corner here on Monday. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we should oh there was a brilliant one there was a brilliant one. I should say this there was a brilliant I can't remember I think it was Carl Anka the journalist had a, a Twitter thread of he asked for people's predictions and not who was going to win the league but just random shouts that you don't think could come true but you, like, but probably will come true and there's a couple of absolute doozies in there there were people who called back in August that Palace would finish above Chelsea and stuff like this and like different man like Tuchel would be gone by October and you're like wow some of these people are out there complete sages yeah they went way more than us not more than us, surely. Dave, who uh, <laughs> says he's an Irish toffee. Everton are a shambles. There is no excuse for this again. Anonymous text in. Lads, weren't the scenes in Limerick something else yesterday? I couldn't get over how great it all looked on TV. Donalog wasn't all the way wrong, is uh, texting. Interestingly, Michael Dignan, by the way, in the Mail on Sunday yesterday, said uh, Donalog's position as GPA president is untenable in the wake of his uh, comments about the Talishan Cup. Uh Lads, the story was hurling yesterday. Why are you talking about the Premier League, Aiden and YouTube? Well, do you know, it's funny, Aiden. I, 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 the genuine reason, as I waited up in my head, was that we're going to talk Premier League with Pat at nine o'clock and we're going to talk hurling with Tommy at half seven. So it just would feel like a weird thing if we just don't talk about the Premier League until nine o'clock on the show. That was honestly how I waited up. Nicky English was making the point yesterday, you know, hurling, got Limerick Cork, one of the best games I've ever seen and we have it going up against the Premier League finale. Like, why have we given up this summer? <laughs> well, we, I, I mean, we don't have time to get into it, but, you know, it's no, but it's a fair point. Now, it is, we're a little bit later, I suppose, in the football season than normal because of Qatar World Cup and, you know, but I do I do agree. I, I There has to be some crossover and we don't have to get into it again, but the idea that, like, this the last round where there's always going to be some drama between Leinster and Munster is going up against the finale of the Premier League is it just feels like we're a week or two early. It yeah. feels like we're a month early to be honest. But in in the having to please everyone world, we're still a week or two off. I think you know. Mm. The news round is brought to you with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition is available now. Richie, you are starting with the news at Chelsea. Yeah, Mauricio Pochettino formally appointed as the new head coach at Chelsea today. The Argentine has signed a two-year contract at Stamford Bridge with the option of a third. It's Pochettino's first job since leaving Paris Saint-Germain at the end of last season. Speaking after yesterday's final game of the season against Newcastle, outgoing caretaker Frank Lampard admitted there was a widespread malaise at Chelsea. Standards sounds a really sort of simple word, but so relevant to this club at the minute. The standards collectively had dropped. I can be honest about that, particularly that it's my last game. I might not see some of them that much anymore anyway. <laughs> but the standards as a collective for a club like Chelsea have to be at the maximum or you won't be phys- physically competitive enough or you won't be able to play at a high level, high speed in the game that the Premier League demands. If you're not together in a dressing room and you're not vocal in a dressing room and driving each other and competitive because I want your place and you want mine and all those things, that's the, any top team has to have that. And at the minute, you know, when I came in, very quickly I could see that that wasn't there enough and you know I think that's something that needs to and of course a very good manager will help that whoever it be but also everyone within that has to take responsibility I was watching the post-match on Sky yesterday and Michael Richards and Roy Keane and Jamie Carragher were on and Dave Jones was asking them about next season and who's going to be big and Micah and I've done this myself I feel in recent weeks with a lot of confidence at Chelsea 
wait and you see Chelsea good manager they'll sort of get a strike in the summer wait and you see next year they'll challenge and Jamie Carragher came in and said really what good players have they got yeah. I know that he's like I know they've spent a lot of money but like who are you talking about who are these great players that they have they, and Micah was a bit stumped and I suddenly thought maybe <laughs> maybe he's right actually I mean I'm sure they will get a striker and Pochettino will help things but maybe they're not as poised as we think I think it's going to be I think we have to see about Pochettino as well you know what I mean like he obviously did a good job at Southampton and Spurs it feels like a long time ago now in some ways yeah. you know not didn't work out at PSG I think this is like you I think he is a good manager and I think he, he is someone that is very confident in themselves but you'd want to be because this is not a good job to be coming in and taking over there's potential there absolutely but you have to go in and do the work and this is going to be a big big summer like you know and he has to hit the ground running and there's potential for more farce at Chelsea and I would say I actually think if I was to guess I would say they'll probably do well but there's 50-50 that it could go the other way completely well, it, it was quite interesting that the negotiations took a long time yeah. now that was not over his wages and it's a short contract yeah two years option for a third so I would hope he had the good sense in negotiations to be sitting down with Bowley and looking for like assurances that if I tell you that I want him him and him gone that just has to happen I don't care if they're on an eight year contract I just can't have 30 players hanging out of me all yeah across a year and I would presume and you're not going to fall in love with a player and spend all my transfer budget on him yeah as so well like you know I, which is that'd be if, does. yeah that'd be the hope that he spent all this time negotiating strict parameters I did read that Todd Bowley is going to spend only 20% of his time now on Chelsea that he's going to step back a bit <laughs> that can only be a great thing one day a week <laughs> Fridays yeah um, that'll make them at least 80% better uh, so Munster we'll be talking about this Richie after 8 o'clock stuffing a lot of words down a lot of people's throats Absolutely there are lovely scenes actually down in Thomond Park in the past few minutes where Munster fans have been welcoming back their victorious URC winning squad following Saturday's dramatic 19-14 win over the DHL Stormers that John Hodden a try uh, laid on secured a first major piece of silver for Munster since winning the Magners League back in 2011 Munster head coach Graham Rentree's head sunk into his hands at the final whistle in Cape Town and he was asked by Rory O'Connor after the game the reason for that particular reaction That's elation for me that head in my hands no, it's um, emotional. I'm not going to lie, I was emotional at the end of it. A huge moment for the club. Players, fans, been very patient, waiting for this trophy. Club's lost some special people in that time. Pete spoke wonderfully about it at the end of This is the people we've lost over the years. And there's a special group of some older players who have waited patiently, Pete being one of those, to win a trophy. Um, I'm immensely proud of this group, delighted for the whole of the province. It's the people who are here now, the playing group, the families back home, the kids watching, the supporters in the province, the Red Army that followed us here. Unbelievable. I mean, we drove into the stadium today, there's a Red Army of flags waiting for us on the road outside. So I'm delighted for those people. You know, we did it for them. Um, with the game itself, I'm proud of the lads. We've done it tough. We spoke extensively yesterday about a sixth game away from home. So come and do this. The places we've gone, the um, performances we put in without being perfect, still growing a game, which I keep saying. But we always stick in the game. We show that at the end uh, against some adversity. 
I'm unbelievably proud for everyone that's involved with this prestigious club that is Munster Rugby. His reaction full time was uh, really interesting. Rest of the coaching box, jumped up and down, elated. Mm-hmm. He put his hands to his head. Overcome, relieved by the whole thing. Yeah. More than anything. Proud. I thought you spoke really well there, you know. Um, it's been some first year in charge, like talking about going from lows to highs. And it's funny, I've been thinking a good bit about, you know, the famous Joe Schmidt first few games at Leinster and, you know, the calls for him to be sacked by one, one pundit in particular and how he turned that around and how it just needed that time. And Roundtree had a bigger job in many ways and and, and the, the culture change has been even bigger. You know, but you see the Munster team that played on Saturday versus what we were seeing at the start of the season and it's it's two completely different sports playing almost, yeah. you know. So it's been an unbelievable job. I thought you spoke really, really well there. Loads with um, Jerry and Fiona yeah. after 8 o'clock to get stuck I thought I thought um, the last two weeks, <coughs> if you're thinking... Just one player in particular, like Jack Crowley's, how far he's come in the last 12 months. He was good. Like, I thought he was brilliant, I have to say. And he just, he is so composed and all the discussions we were having last week. And so he's he's almost been forgotten in some ways when we talk about the, not forgotten is is unfair, but I mean, put put aside in the last few months, I would say, in our conversations about who's the post Johnny out half. And I think the last two weeks have been really, really big for him. And we see how far he's come. Like, I mean, there was a line he took in the first half that was just beautiful. The cross field kick for the try where... There was no penalty advantage there. That was just an out half who very much reminded me of Sexton. Not comparing them, but in terms of like what an out half does, was just like we're going nowhere here. Yeah, I need to do something, and it was inch perfect, you know. And defenders aren't expecting that when it's not a penalty advantage, you know. So I just thought, you know, what a couple of weeks for him. Yeah, he was so good. Peter O'Reilly yesterday in the Sunday Times had a line about how he was passing the ball under the noses of Stormers' yeah. defensive line, and I mean he really was. Yeah, so flat to the line. He was um, incredible. And like that's the most pressurised game he's ever played in. Yeah. And he delivered exactly. that performance. So loads to talk to Jerry and Fiona about after 8 o'clock. Richie, good news for Shamrock Rovers? Bad news for Shamrock Rovers. Or rejected, so, uh, sorry. Yeah. They've had an appeal against a red card shown to Richie Tell against Cork City, rejected. He was shown that straight red in Friday night's 1-0 defeat at Turner's Cross. One of three men to be shown the line there. The resulting three-match ban means Tell will miss Rovers' upcoming games with Dundalk, Sligo Rovers and UCD. French Open. <clears throat> Pardon me, yeah. Carlos Alcaraz and Novak Djokovic both safely through to round two uh, at Roland Garros today. Alcaraz beat Italian qualifier Flavio Cobbley 6 love, 6 2, 6 5, or 6 4, pardon me, and will play Taro Daniel in round two. Djokovic will play Martin Fucevic next following today's straight sets win over the American Alexander Kovacevic. Men's 10th seed Felix Auger Aliasim is out though, beaten in straights by Fabio Fognini. There have been wins today though for Cam Norrie, Stan Wawrinka, Alex Deminor, and Denis Shapovalov. Women's 12th seed Belinda Bencic and 16th seed Karolina Blitz. Pliskova both crashed out. Bincic lost in three to the lucky loser Elena Vazniyan, while former semi-finalist Pliskova was beaten in straight sets today by Sloane Stevens. There are also wins from Madison Keys, Beatrice Haddad Maya and Donna Vekic. Uh, there was League One <coughs> playoff final today. Oh yeah, and high drama as well at the end. Sheffield Wednesday back in the championship after two seasons away. A diving header from Josh Windus three minutes into added time at the end of extra time saw the Elves beat 10-man Barnsley by that goal to nil in the League One playoff decider at Wembley. Just to remind people, in case anybody didn't see the story of Sheffield Wednesday's playoff route, a 4-0 defeat to Peterborough in the first leg of the semi-final followed by a 4-0 win at Hillsborough went to extra time 
went 5-4 to Peterborough, equalised again 5-all, won on penalties, <sighs> and then you go into the 124th minute, yep. uh, just as about to go to penalties again, nil all in the final at Wembley, and they score a diving header for the winner. Like, you know, this is... <laughs> I was watching the scenes at Hillsborough after the semi-final were amazing like they were brilliant and even in the dressing room afterwards and all and you just kind of you know I'm sure it was the same on the Barnsley side but you just I happened to see the Wednesday one so I was really hoping they'd win today you know so um, oh look I love the playoffs they're just the best thing in the world yeah we'll be joined to Tony Welch uh, very shortly Richie you got hardly news for us yeah, Kilkenny could be without Adrian Mullen for the rest of this year's uh, Hurling Championship. The All-Star replaced by Conor Fogarty 10 minutes before half-time in yesterday's Leinster Championship loss to Wexford. Mullen looks like missing six weeks due to the thumb injury sustained at Chadwick's Wexford Park. Kilkenny also have doubts over Mikey Butler and Martin Keoghan. The first game he'll miss will be the Leinster final against Galway. The tries coming from 10 points down at half-time during a draw against Dublin yesterday at Croker. West Meads relegated to the Joe McDonough Cup after they suffered a 14-point defeat to Antrim in Mullingar. Limerick are going to bid for a fifth month Senior Hurling Championship title in a row when they face Clare on June 11th. The All Ireland Champions repelled a brave Cork side by a point at the Gaelic Grounds yesterday, 325 to 130. The final score there, while Waterford signed off in their year with a 124 to 21 point win over Tipperary. And in the All Ireland Football Championship round robin at Crow Park, Dublin and Roscommon played out a draw. Donny Smith earning that draw for the Rossies with a late free. Did you say fifth in a row? Four in a row. Four in a row, yeah, Premier, yeah. Four in a row. The Adrian Mullen injury quickly, it's just it's one of the underreported things about the condensed season. And again, it's not complaining about it, I'm just a, a, a point made. A six weeks in injury two weeks before the Leinster final shouldn't really rule you out of the rest of the season, or at least it wouldn't have traditionally. It becomes very tough on players to get back from injury. You know, little niggly things like this, you know, like we have uh, uh, Jason Ford as a hamstring injury. We don't know when we'll see him again. He should be fine for Crow Park, but if, if Tip get there, but will he be, you know? So that is one of those things that people don't really talk about in the condensed season. Riscommon keeping the ball for six minutes and scoring a point was just a beautiful have a bit of your own medicine, Dublin, uh, kind of a moment. <laughs> uh, we we'll talk football later in the week, week on uh, Wednesday night. We're going to do a bit of a deep dive. As for the hurling yesterday... Uh, give us a good uh, hurling man's view <laughs> of proceedings. It's tough. On, like you find it very hard to be critical of Cork. They're not going to see June. They're not going to see hurling again until the Alliance League 2024. And it's so razor thin. I mean, they lose twice by a point. They win a game. They draw a game. Yeah. Sayonara. Yeah. Now the other way of looking at that, and I, by the way, wouldn't be critical of them at all. And their first year with a new regime, and they were much better than they were last year. And I, I think there's widespread praise. But I think it's okay that they were knocked out as well. Do you know what I mean? You have to win some of those games at some point, and yeah. you know there has to be there has to be some sort of threat in the competition, or else the competition's not going to be that good. That's been lots of debate, I would say, over the course of the, the, of the, the day, especially. No, today. I'm, I'm with you on that because otherwise yeah. you have the football all Ireland series, like where the, everybody's in. Yeah. You know, in in some ways, like only Waterford would be knocked out of Munster if everything was fair. But sure, like I mean, then Munster wouldn't be any good uh, as a competition. So uh, that's where I think. But I think I think they should be delighted with themselves. Like you know, I think if you were to to be honest, I would say they were a point or two uh, worse than Limerick yesterday. I think they were a point or two worse than Clare the week before, and the tip match probably was a fair result. You know, yeah. so like, but that's that's not to say they weren't very unlucky. And I think Joe Canning pointed to all three of Limerick's goals being an eagle last night, which is, you know, a fair point as well. So I think Cork have a lot to build on there, but it's like when you have a, a, a talisman who scores 114, who's pushing 35, that's where there isn't too many next years. And that's where it's always a bit of a pity, I think, you know. Mm. 
Fellas, we're out of time. Tony Welch is going to join us in just a moment. Richie, thank you very much.